Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Secretary of State? He wrote, and I let him know he wrote that letter because the city wrote him a letter. The lying bastard Kimberly Weeks was referring to was Florida's Secretary of State, Ken Detzler, and a secret recording she made of a conversation she had with him nearly four years ago resulted in a guilty verdict for Weeks, who at one time was the Flagler County Supervisor of Elections. That story is coming up on Sun Crime State. I'm Tony Holt, crime reporter for the Daytona Beach News Journal. Welcome to Sun Crime State, a weekly podcast that takes an in-depth look at Florida's biggest crime stories of the past and present. In this episode, I'll discuss the story of a stolen urn containing the ashes of a longtime Lakeland police officer. The suspected urn thief has been caught, and the urn still containing the late officer's ashes, was safely returned to his widow last week. Later, I'll discuss the unique criminal case of former Flagler Elections Chief Kimberly Weeks, who was found guilty Thursday of seven felony counts related to illegal recordings. The case dragged on for three years and could still have an impact in terms of how Florida law is shaped in the future when it comes to privacy laws. My special guest for that segment will be News Journal reporter Matt Bruce. Coming up, the story of the recovered urn. As you know, we don't normally do press briefings on burglary events because they don't have any public interest if you're not the victim of the burglary. Polk County Sheriff Grady Judd made an exception Wednesday. He called a media conference to announce the arrest of a burglary suspect accused of sneaking into a home and stealing a gold-colored urn containing the ashes of a personal friend of his. The suspect, according to the Polk County Sheriff's Office, actually committed four burglaries in the South Lakeland area. The targeted communities were higher-end neighborhoods. Our deputies started the investigation, and it came to our attention quickly during the beginning of the investigation. It was one of the four burglaries that caused us a lot of concern. It was the residence of Brad Grice and Michelle Newsom. Michelle Newsom was married to Buddy Newsom, and both of them, Michelle did a 24-year career, and Buddy did a full career at the Lakeland Police Department and were recognized as outstanding police officers. Buddy Newsom lost his battle with cancer in 2015. He had served at the Lakeland Police Department for 28 years before retiring more than a decade ago, according to the Lakeland Ledger. 
Following his retirement, he helped start the Faith Riders, a motorcycle group at First Baptist Church in the city. Buddy Newsom and I actually grew up in the same area of Lakeland. He was a few years younger than me, but I watched him grow into a wonderful police officer and a great man. From the start, the rash of home burglaries turned into a priority case for the sheriff's office. Well, as you can imagine, that before I was even briefed on this, our detectives were already hypersensitive to the fact that burglars stole anyone's urn with ashes. And then it was a police officer, a law enforcement officer, who his entire career stood in the gap between good and evil and put his life on the line to protect people. They, it was his ashes that was stolen. And by the time I was briefed on it, I go, I've known Buddy since we were kids. And the captain, Captain Floyd, says, relax, Sheriff, we're going to find this guy. Our property detectives began to work on this case, and they worked literally every waking moment. Detectives sought assistance from the Florida Department of Law Enforcement and nine other police agencies throughout the state. It was learned that other counties were targeted as well. In all, authorities have traced 14 burglaries in 10 counties to the suspect that Polk deputies arrested last week. His name is Daniel Antonio Nolasco Cardona, a 27-year-old man from Honduras who was living in Miami. Cardona was in the United States on a tourist visa. Judd told the media that he had two passports and three sets of identifications, two of which were fake. The suspect would rent a car in South Florida and drive it north to various places. He'd sneak into a home, steal items, and drive all the way back to Miami. He would never stay still in any one place for too long. So he comes from Honduras, rents cars, does burglaries, and goes back to Miami. But he made a fatal mistake. He came to Polk County. And when he came to Polk County and committed those burglaries and stole the ashes of anyone, but especially a police officer, that was way over the edge, and the resources were committed. Judd said Cordova may have had some accomplices. The investigation is not over. When Cordova was arrested, he was taken in while he was trying to rent another car. Judd said the recovery of the urn was miraculous. During his media conference Wednesday, Judd invited Newsom's widow to the lectern. She took the time to personally thank her former law enforcement colleagues for recovering her husband's ashes. The sheriff said that this was a miracle, it was miraculous, and I agree 100%. God is good, and I knew God was in control. I also knew that Grady Judd, Sheriff Grady Judd, was in control, and his deputies in the Polk County Sheriff's Office, I knew, and I had every, every belief that this was, we were going to get this back, just because they did such an amazing job, and I just can't thank them enough. There are no words. There are just simply no words. Thank you doesn't seem like it's adequate enough, but um, I'm just so pleased. And as I said, it, it was a miracle, and I am so excited, and I'm so thankful. Coming up, 
the strange story about the downfall of Flagler's former elections chief. That was the voice of former Flagler County Elections Supervisor Kimberly Weeks, who was convicted Thursday on seven felony charges related to illegal recordings of conversations with public officials. She was taking aim at Gary Holland, the Florida Elections Division Attorney. More on that later. Jurors on Thursday deliberated for more than two hours before returning with guilty verdicts for all seven third-degree felony counts. A sentencing hearing has not yet been scheduled, but it's expected to take place within the next two months. Weeks remains free on $12,000 bail. She is not likely to serve prison time, according to her attorney. The 56-year-old Weeks was elected Flagler County Election Supervisor in 2008 and won re-election in 2012. She resigned from her job midway through her second term, and four months later, in May 2015, she was indicted. Weeks' name appeared numerous times on the jail log, and it jumped out at my co-worker Matt Bruce, who covers crime and government in Flagler County. He was only a few weeks under the job at that point, so the name Kimberly Weeks didn't ring any bells. But those charges stood out. Here is Matt telling me about that day. I was just struck by the names of the charges, so I asked my editor, Nick Klasny, if he knew who she was, and he he, um, <laughs> he kind of jumped out of his chair, and he said, we need to get right on this, because she had been arrested, and, I, I, you know, it was big news at the time that she had been arrested, and at that time, I wasn't aware of all the havoc she had been causing, you know, that previous year leading up to her arrest. Trouble began brewing for weeks in October 2014 when the Florida Department of Law Enforcement executed a search warrant at her office in Benel. When news of her indictment broke, it was learned that she had illegally recorded conversations with various people from April through September of 2014. One of the most high-profile victims was Florida Secretary of State Ken Detzner. Weeks had a conversation with Detzner after he tried to intervene and mediate a feud between Weeks and the city of Palm Coast, which had decided to sync its elections with the county's elections. Weeks complained of the city's treatment of her and her poll workers. She also accused city staff of not providing ample room and parking for voters during early voting at the city's community center. At the time, the city held council meetings and hosted other events in the main room and set up a voting area in a smaller section. Weeks didn't feel that was good enough, and when Detzner intervened, he seemed to side more with the city than with Weeks. In her mind, that led to more negative media attention for her, and that enraged her. Detzner wound up being a key witness during the trial. He took the stand Tuesday and recalled the conversation in question. And that recorded conversation was played to the jury. 
I would like to tape the meeting since Lori can't be with us and I know Ron may not be able to stay. So for what purpose do you want to record this conversation? So that Lori can be familiar with what's going on since I have... I'm not comfortable with that. If she wants to be on the call, she can get on the call. That was Detzner telling Weeks in plain terms that he did not want the conversation recorded. She did so anyway. She brought up the letter during the conversation. She didn't like that. And she called to complain about that. And she went on and on. I mean, listening to the phone call in the courtroom, listening to the recording, it was some, some points where she went on three, four minute tirades and she didn't even seem to be taking a breath. Here is a portion of one of those tirades. It's not a city election anymore. They're not in charge of this election. And they need to make that understood that I am in charge of the election. I'm responsible for the outcome. If this election should fail and I've not put, ma- put measures in place to protect it and to protect the process, it's me that takes the fall, not them. But I certainly think that it was inappropriate for that letter to be issued. And I caught the flag for it. And I think the letter needs to be made to, to go out to let this city know they can't use the Secretary of State as a tool to manipulate this process. And it's setting a precedence throughout this entire state that other cities will do the same thing and they'll be contacting the Secretary the same way. Others were involved in that conversation. But Detzner testified during the trial and during cross-examination that he felt the phone call was personal and private. Authorities also obtained a recording of a conversation Weeks had with a few other people in her home. Those people were never identified. It was during that conversation that she called Detzner a lying bastard and also used a profane word to describe attorney Gary Holland. She also took aim at the Palm Coast mayor during the same conversation. The mayor of Palm Coast at the time, John Nitz, I think she called him an SOB. She talked about how she walked up to him and told him that she doesn't need him, he needs her, and he doesn't know what he's doing. I mean, it was just like Kim Weeks unleashed on that tape, and the Secretary of State was sitting right there listening to all this. I'm, I'm wondering what was going through his mind listening to someone talk about him and some of the people that work with him. Matt and I both reported on Weeks' indictment three years ago. She was accused by prosecutors of recording conversations with at least 12 people without their knowledge or consent. Among the victims, besides Detzner, were a county judge, a county clerk, a county attorney, a county commissioner, a police officer, and one of Weeks' neighbors. That neighbor's ex-husband was engaged to Weeks' daughter at the time. That neighbor, Shannon Brown, said she shared intimate details about her family during the conversation, which lasted about three hours. Brown also testified during the trial via a live video feed from Michigan. Weeks seemed to have a lot of bitterness for county officials. During the months leading to her resignation, she had filed a series of complaints with the state against all five members of the Flagler County Board of Commissioners. The Florida Elections Commission dismissed all of the charges, calling them legally insufficient. Weeks filed more complaints, and she was told by the commission's executive director that her second wave of allegations was almost identical to the first. 
they too were dismissed. What triggered the FDLE investigation was a recording that Weeks played during a Flagler County canvassing board meeting, one that was well attended, particularly by those who supported Weeks. The recording that Weeks played was one she secretly made of a conversation between County Attorney Al Hadid and County Commissioner Charlie Erickson. In the recording, Hadid could be heard telling Erickson about an earlier incident involving another commissioner who may have been illegally reading ballots. The commissioner was not identified in the recording, and Hadid was not specific about when it took place. Weeks played that tape and acted like it was a gotcha moment for Hadid. It wasn't. Instead, it spelled doom for Weeks. Her office was raided weeks later. Weeks went through about four attorneys. That wasn't entirely because she was fickle about who she wanted representing her. Her first attorney, for instance, died not long after she hired him. Additionally, it was difficult for any attorney to take on the case because state law has not adjusted to modern technology. Matt told me that the three-year pretrial phase had a lot to do with attorneys' difficulty applying the law to what the defendant was alleged to have done. It was a challenge for them. One of the uh, pretrial hearings, the judge even said this has gone into uncharted territory because you have these cell phone calls being recorded. And that was something that even the attorneys this week were talking about, that they didn't really know what the actual case law, how to interpret it to, you know, to account for cell phones and oral communication versus wire communication. So there was a lot of legal, legal wiggle room. And her attorneys were just, I think, over the years, just trying to fight to get as much of it thrown out as they could. You know, I think that's why it took so long. Two-party consent is the critical component when considering whether a recorded conversation is deemed illegal or legal. Ultimately, Weeks' guilt or innocence seemed to rest on an individual's expectation of privacy. Weeks' attorney, Kevin Kulik, suggested that none of the so-called victims should have had any such expectation. Kulik, in fact, conveyed to Matt when he interviewed him after the verdict that the fight wasn't over. He took on a case that could wind up having a lasting impact on the way privacy laws regarding telecommunications are written in the future. But he didn't seem to be swayed. He didn't seem to lose any confidence for attorney Kevin Kulik. He said that they planned to appeal. He actually said this before the verdict came out. He told me and a few other reporters in the courthouse. I think this was part of his strategy. He, I think he figured that th- that she was, al- always figured that she was going to be found guilty at trial. And they would really settle this at, at the appeals court. Sounds like they're going to have to rewrite the whole law um, for the whole state from what he's done. So this case could have a lot of um, statewide implications. Thank you for listening. I promised you last week that this episode would include an in-depth segment about a 1986 slaying near Daytona Beach, one that led to a life sentence for a Canadian teen. That teen is now almost 50 years old, and he's fighting for a chance to get transferred to a facility in his homeland so that he could be near his family. That story had to be postponed one week due to scheduling conflicts, But it will be ready, I hope, next week. Among my special guests will be the inmate himself, 
Russ Davies, along with his parents and two advocates who are working on his behalf. It's a segment worth waiting for. Join me next week. You can find Tony on Twitter at Tony Crime Writer or email him at Tony.Holt at news-jrnl.com. Be sure to rate us on iTunes. Sun Crime State is recorded by Tony Holt and produced by Chris Bridges for the Daytona Beach News Journal. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.